my honor today to get the privilege to introduce, uh, I wouldn't say a guest speaker, I would say uh, your pastor's pastor. And it's been an honor to know Pastor Brad before we ever got to this stage. I could reach out to him early on with all kinds of leadership questions and advice. And I remember one time asking, well, uh, we're running Sounds Good, the music ministry. And I said, man, I just can't get everybody to listen. You know, like every great leader, leader blaming it on everybody else. And, and he goes, well, here's the thing. Um, that's job security. He goes, you got to keep casting vision, keep casting vision, keep casting vision. And being an adolescence leader that I was, I was like, oh man, it was such a great thing to be coached like a rookie in that moment. And that has helped be fruitful and lead me to, to become the leader that I am today and then hopefully still developing into the leader that I will be one day. And ultimately, a leader is selfless into serving other people. And Pastor Brad, you've made me a better dad. You've made me a better husband. Uh, you've made me a better friend. You've made it fun to play basketball, even knowing that we can still play one-on-one and uh, that no one else is there for those crazy games and you're posting me up and it's awesome and that's been so amazing. And Leah, you've been cherished to my, my wife. When you give her a text, even the smallest bit of just interaction, she just cherishes it so much because that's how much she values and esteems you. And it's been heroic that it was 2005, I was sitting at a church planner school in St. Pete Beach, Dave Williams Church Planner School. And we went down there because we heard there was leadership lessons. And I sat in the front row and I'd never heard anybody in their 20s speak before because most preachers, you know, you gotta be 40 and over. That's just how it works. And, but everybody started sometime in their 20s. Well, I just happened to meet one in their 20s. And I'm sitting there, I'm listening to this guy preach a sermon about David in the cave with his men. And I'm like, oh, I relate to this. I'm not good. I'm not, good. I, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I feel that I, that, I, that I relate to the people in the cave. And he's saying, well, if you're a leader, maybe you can be like David where the, the broken, the least, the last, the lost will connect with you. I'm like, oh, that's how I feel like I could be. And I, I'm in that moment. And, and I remember just simply saying yes to whatever he was saying. I didn't know that several years later it would lead to City Life Philly helping plant City Life Lansing. Like, come on, you came and make that kind of stuff up from 2005 till eventually when we planted in September 2015. I want you to give a huge welcome from all the way from Philadelphia for Pastor Brad Leach. What's going on, City Life Lansing? How are you today? Man, it's such a privilege to be here in Lansing, home away from home, and to be with your pastors, Jerome and Crystal. They're some of our best friends, and we love them like crazy, and uh, we're just so proud and happy to think about what God is doing here in Lansing through you, through your church, through your sacrifice. This is something that our church back home has prayed for and invested in, and to be able to see it and be here and look into your faces and know the stories. It's such a great moment for us today. And Pastor Jerome and Crystal, they are just heroes of ours. And I just want to honor you. How many of you are grateful for the pastors that God has put in your life? Come on. Bro, you're so humble and so authentic and vulnerable, teachable. And those are qualities that you can't teach somebody. You can't give somebody. And because of that, I think you all are in a great place, a safe place with leadership that can be trusted. And so I just honor you. And my wife, Leah, is here. You want to stand and wave at everybody? This is my girl. We've been married for 11 years. 
and she brings so much uh, life and joy into every room that she walks into and every relationship that she's a part of. And Leah and I have four kids, Gabby, Claire, Caleb, and Karis, and they're from age nine down to age three. We wanted to have the exact same number of kids as Jerome and Crystal. That was our goal. And so we all were going to have four. It was like a little, you know, gentleman's handshake. And then they went and had twins at the end. Overachievers is just who they are. And so we said, the title is yours. We're done. You can be the champion of this. And so uh, it really is great to be here. And I love being a dad. I love having kids because I learn so much from my, ki- uh, from my kids. How many of you learn from, uh, if your parents, your kids teach you something every now and then? And uh, my kids, I'm always learning uh, from them. And one of the things I love about my kids that they've taught me is that it's good to think about the future without limitations, without uh, getting so uptight some, some of the time. And, and kids, they just have this amazing innocence about them to dream and to use their imagination without putting the confines and the boundaries sometimes around the future that we're tempted as mature, you know, experienced adults to do. And so my kids, I love, you know, when people ask them what they want to be when they grow up, because I never know what they're going to say. It changes all the time and it's often spur of the moment. And so my daughter Gabby was at the doctor, Dr. Van, and she was about to get a shot. And she said, Dr. Van, is there any way I could get this medicine without a shot? And Dr. Van said, well, maybe someday you can grow up, you can be a doctor, and you can invent a way to get the medicine without a shot. And Gabby said, can't do that. I'm going to be a fairy. (laughs) And that was her plan until she decided to be a veterinarian, which was even funnier to me because she hates animals. But in her mind, no problem. No problem. I'm going to be the kind of vet that doesn't need to interact with animals, that doesn't need to touch or be around animals. And so that was her, you know, no limits, no problem. And then my daughter, Claire, she wants to be an American Ninja Warrior, a nurse, and a police officer. So she's going to carry three full-time jobs and do the training and keep it all going. And so that's great. No limits, no problem. My son, Caleb, told us the other day he's going to be a Pokemon trainer. (laughs) He's going to train them. And so... I love that. You know, it doesn't matter that uh, he doesn't speak the language. It doesn't matter that they don't even exist. No limits. No problem. My daughter, Karis, was at the doctor's, and Dr. Van said to her, Karis, do you want to be a doctor when you grow up? Because she was really showing a lot of interest in the stethoscope and the whole thing. And she said, well, I don't know if I can because I'm going to be Belle when I grow up. And then she thought for a minute, and she came up with a solution. She said, I'll be Dr. Bell. And so that's what she's going to be, Dr. Bell. And I love that about kids because it, it takes me back to being a kid myself. And how many of you can remember when you were a child, it was so natural to dream and think about the future and there wasn't anybody yet to tell you what you could or could not do. And so for me, you know, it was basketball. That was my love. And so every night after dinner, I would go outside for an hour and I would just shoot hoops and every single night would be game seven of the NBA finals. And I would start at the end of the driveway with 10 seconds left on the clock and I would dribble the ball down the court. I could see the thousands of people and the TV cameras and all 
all of it. And, you know, I would be staring down Steph Curry. Of course, when I was a kid, it was MJ. And with, you know, about three seconds on the clock, I'd make my move. I'd dribble left, get MJ off balance. Then I'd cross over right. And then I would elevate to shoot. And I made it a lot of the time. But even if I didn't, no problem, because I was always fouled. It's amazing. And so I'd step up to the free throw line and, you know, take my dribbles and shoot that foul shot, which I made a lot of the time. But even if I didn't, no problem. There was always a lane violation, whistle, lane violation. And so I'd line up again. I'd shoot it until I made it. And every night I would win game seven of the NBA finals for the Detroit Pistons. Come on, somebody. What's up? And so, you know, that was my childhood. Now, here's what happens as you start to grow older, as you start to think about the future with limitations. And so, you know, one day I realized I was a white man. That was a sad day. (laughs) When I looked into the mirror and it hit me. My pigmentation was off. And then I started to realize, you know, I'm not quick enough. And I don't jump high enough. And the NBA probably is not in my future. And, you know, we kind of see it as like a mark of maturity that we start to think a little bit more realistically. But here's what that tells me about limitations is that limitations are learned. We're not born with them. It's life that teaches us what we can and cannot do, what we should and shouldn't do, and, and what's believable and what's not believable. And I guess that's okay from a human perspective because we are limited and there is reality that we live within. But here's the problem is that when we take our human limitations and place them on God, we make a huge mistake because God is unlimited. His power is unlimited. His supply is unlimited. His grace, his love, his ability, all of it is unlimited. It knows no boundaries. It knows no confines. You can't put him in a box. You can't bottle him up. There is, not, there is nothing you can put around God to shackle him. God is unlimited. And so when we come into a relationship with God, I think that something really beautiful is supposed to begin to happen, and that is that God reverses the aging process. And so Jesus says, you want to come into the kingdom of God, you got to become like a kid. you got to think like a child. Because we're going to begin to reverse the aging process. And I love this little story from the end of Prince Caspian, which was C.S. Lewis' book in the uh, trilogy of the Chronicles of Narnia. And in Prince Caspian, the kids are out and they're going through a lot of difficulties and obstacles. But then at the end, they're reunited with Aslan and they haven't seen him in a while. And so uh, little Lucy is struck when she sees him and she says, Aslan, you're so much bigger. And he says, "Not, not really, little one. And she says, but you look so much bigger. Why is that? And he said, it's because you're older. And every year that you grow older, I grow a little bit bigger in your mind. And so I look at what often happens to us in the aging process of life is that maybe it's a mark of getting older. You think a little bit more realistically about the world. But in our relationship with God, what if spiritual maturity means that every year we grow in God, we're a little more convinced of his limitless power and ability? 
What if it means that every, every inch we get closer to him and every month we spend following him, we're a little more sure, we're a little more confident that he can do the impossible. I think that's a sign of spiritual maturity, that we dream bigger dreams over time, that we graduate from one test to the next over time, that we pray bigger prayers, more audacious prayers over time. And so I want to talk to you today about just a very simple message I felt like God put in my heart. And here is my encouragement for you as a church and you as an individual, take the limits off. Take the limits off. And I want to tell you the story of a young girl that I really relate to, and I think you will too. Uh, In Luke chapter 1, let's start reading in verse 26. It says that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. So here's Mary. She's going to get a visit from an angel. How many of you would love to meet an angel? You sure? There's a reason why every time an angel shows up in the Bible, his greeting is, do not be afraid. Because we see angels are cute and cuddly and bald and float around on harp, you know, clouds and play the harp. But angels actually are strong, fierce, intimidating. And to get a visit from an angel means God's about to stretch you way beyond your limits. And so it says that he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Now, I pray for this. I pray for favor with God. I prayed over my kids. I prayed over my wife and our church. God, give us your favor. How many of you want God's favor on your relationships and your career and your finances? Are you sure? Because I don't always know what I'm praying for. When you find favor with God, he is about to mess up your world. And that's what happens for Mary. She gets this, she gets this assignment, verse 31. Behold, you will conceive in your womb. Everybody say conceive. conceive. And bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. This is a mind-blowing promise that God conceives in the womb of this teenage girl that you're going to give birth. You're going to be a mom. Your son is going to be Jesus. He's going to become a king. He's going to establish a kingdom that's never, ever, 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 ever going to end. It's amazing. And I think that God, in the same way today, is wanting to bring into the world his kingdom. He's wanting to bring into his world, I think in a fresh way, in every culture, in every location, in every generation, Jesus. He's wanting Jesus to be birthed in Lansing through you, through this church. He's wanting to bring into the world through you good and mission and purpose And the way in which God does that, when he wants to bring his presence into the world, his kingdom into the world, is he starts by finding somebody he likes, somebody who's leaning in, somebody who has caught his eye, who has found his favor, and he plants in them an idea, a strategy, a conviction, a vision, a plan, a dream, a discontent, a thought, and they become pregnant. with this business, this ministry, this small group, this assignment. 
And it's beautiful to see what happens in the world when people put faith to that seed. And I think of people like Rosa Parks, who was a quiet woman riding in a bus in segregated Montgomery, Alabama. And the bus driver came to her, and as she retells a story and used to in her own words, it was not a dramatic moment. In fact, she was a very shy, reserved person. It wasn't her personality to be confrontational or bold. It was, it was her sitting there and the bus driver simply saying to her, ma'am, are you going to move? And in that moment, three words were planted in her soul that she spoke out, no, I'm not. And those three words, no, I'm not, launched the civil rights movement and brought so much change into the world, brought God's kingdom into the world and a new movement and new grace because of a conviction that God planted in her soul that allowed her to step into the reason she was on this planet. I think of somebody like Blake McCoskey, who was in Argentina on vacation, and he saw all these kids running around barefoot, and he began to wonder, what happens to a kid who grows up without shoes? He began to do the research about what happens physically in your body if you grow up in your formational years while your muscles are being shaped without shoes, and he saw the consequences of it. And so an idea was conceived inside of him for Tom's. And he thought, what if we started a business? And every time somebody bought a pair of shoes, we sent a pair of shoes to a kid somewhere in the world who doesn't have shoes. And not only did that business take off, but now an entire genre and category of business models built around that one-to-one -one model. And just a few years ago, he sold half of the company valued at $625 million because of a creative idea that took root inside of him that the world needed. I think of... Jerome, your pastor, I think of this core group of dreamers right here that launched out four years ago to start City Life Lansing. Before any of this was obvious, before anybody was sitting in an auditorium, before a worship band had ever played a song, and there was just this idea. We were hanging out in Philly. I had invited Jerome to come out because I wanted to hire him onto our staff of our church. I mean, you know, you get Jerome on your staff, your staff gets a lot better. And so I said, come on out, and I'm trying to recruit him, you know, and so whining and dining him, and here's the dream, and come on, man, let's do this together, and, 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 and it finally dawned on me, uh, I'm a little thick-headed, but eventually I get it, that uh, this guy, you can't put him in the confines of somebody else's vision that there's something inside of him that was real, that's unique, that's fresh, that's his DNA. And I looked at him across the table, finally at an Italian restaurant at the end of that trip, and I said, you're supposed to plant a church, aren't you? He's like, yeah. And so Lansing needed city life. Lansing needed what was inside of him. And there are so many of you, I believe even right now in this moment, there is being birthed in you, conceived in you, an idea a conviction, a thought. It could be as simple as that, just a seed, and it begins to come, and here's what you begin to experience, just the same thing that Mary experienced once that moment happens, that first of all, God's dreams, some of you experience this, are an interruption. God's dreams are always a big interruption. If you would dare to ask the question, God, what's the biggest thing you wanna do in my life and through my life in 2019? 
I guarantee you, whatever he brings to you is probably going to be a detour or an interruption from the nice, comfortable life that you already have planned. <laughs> and so here's Mary. She's 14, 15 years old, probably. And she's engaged to be married. And so how many of you know when you're planning a wedding, you're not thinking about how to decorate the nursery? That's the furthest thing from your mind. She's on Pinterest trying to figure out what colors, you know, do I use at the reception? And do I go with the vintage Nazareth or the modern bride theme? And she's practicing signing her last name with Joseph's last name and signing over the bank accounts and all of the stuff, the registry. And she's got, that's where her mind is. And all of a sudden, all of her plans for the future are interrupted with this baby that God puts inside of her. And that's what happens. Some of you are here right now because of this. You know, there was somebody inviting you to church and you're like, look, man, like I'm not a religious person. I don't go to church. I don't do church. And you had your plan. You had your lane. You were running in it. And there was somebody who just kept bothering you over and over. Come on, man. You got to come. Nah, not interested. Come on. You got to try it. Nah, I don't got time. And finally, they wore you down because that's how city life people are. (laughs) And you came and somebody said something to you out in the lobby or there was a song that wrecked your world, or maybe it was something in a message from Pastor Jerome that God just spoke to your heart, and all of a sudden, your life was interrupted forever, and it was never going to be the same again. God, who started pulling you in that way, is going to continue, if you will allow him to mess up your plans so that he can bring into your life his plans that are more purposeful, more hopeful, more optimistic, and more beneficial to the world. So what if you had the guts to say, God, go ahead, interrupt me today. God's plans, his dreams are an inconvenience, number two. How many of you know having a baby is inconvenient, (laughs) is messy, is tiring? (laughs) And here's Mary who's too poor to be a mom. She's too young to be a mom. She's too everything to be a mom. And all of, her, all of a sudden, her life is going to be so inconvenient. Now she's got to go to Joseph and break this news. I mean, imagine that conversation. Hey, Joey, uh, got a visit from the angel. Good news, God really likes me. Found favor with him. Bad news, I'm pregnant. Bad news, you're not the father. Good news, God is the dad. So we got that going for us. And she's playing out this conversation in her head and what's he going to think and what's going to happen and the whole thing is so inconvenient and God's dreams, they always feel that way like, God, this wasn't in my plans. This, this isn't how I saw this going. And God's dreams, not only are they an interruption and an inconvenience, but here's the biggest one. They are an impossibility. Think about what Mary says here. This is amazing. Put yourself in her shoes. She gets this news and look at this next verse. Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? Good question. Don't you think? So there's that. I mean, we read by this story because every Christmas Mary has the baby and we get so used to it. But do you see that what God is asking her to do is not a hard thing? It's not a difficult thing. It's an impossible thing. It is something that scientifically in the realm of what is possible on this planet can't be done. 
can't happen. Something that had never happened before and something that would never happen again. And she gets this dream from God and it's like, God, crazy? Like this is impossible. This can't happen. This won't work. How could this be since I'm a virgin? And I think for so many of us, God comes and he plants inside of us a seed. It could be as simple as, I want you to forgive your brother. And you're thinking, how in the world could I do that, God? That's impossible. You don't understand the depth of betrayal. I want you to forgive your ex-wife. But God, you don't know what she did and you don't see how deeply she wounded me and it feels impossible. That's a seed that could change your heart and all of your other relationships if you allowed it to be born into the world. But we get stuck at, I don't think so, God. And we have all of our own excuses. God, how will this be since I'm so young? How will this be since I'm so broke? How will this be since I don't have a degree? How will this be since I'm so old? How will this be since I'm still single? How will this be since I tried that before and it didn't work? And we have all of the reasons why we can't do it and it can't happen and God can't do it. And we forget that our great God is a limitless God. I mean, this is like the angel showing up at my house, and I love to play golf. The problem is I'm not as good as I would like to be. But, you know, the angel showing up and saying, hey, Brad, you found favor with God. Tomorrow you're going to be entered into the PGA Championship. You're going to win. Like, that's not like, well, let me go practice a few hours and get my game ready in PGA Championship shape, in master shape. That's no, God, that's not happening. <laughs> That's out of the realm, and, and here she is, and it's an interruption, and it's an inconvenience, and it's impossible, yet the dream is there, and the dream is born, and this is what sets her up to experience, look at me, something that very few Christians ever experience in their lives. But if you can experience this, it will wreck you forever in the greatest possible way. And here it is. The angel answered her. Remember, how is this going to be? I'm a virgin. And here's the response. The Holy Spirit will come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. I love that word, overshadow. I was thinking about it this morning, reading this. And I was just saying, God, what does that look like? First of all, if you've ever experienced this, just being overshadowed, overcome with the power of God, it's, it's, it's something that's almost hard to put into words, but I felt a couple of pictures come. One is, is the picture of a total eclipse. We had a partial eclipse in Philly a couple years ago, and it was an amazing experience. There are people who actually chase total solar eclipses all over the world, and they find out where they're going to be next, and they go there. And it's on my bucket list now because... From what I understand, it's one of the most amazing experiences you'll ever see when the sun is totally blocked out by the moon and it's, it's awesome and it's surreal and it's profound and what takes place. And I think there are those moments in our lives where our vision of what's possible gets totally blocked by the bigness, the greatness of God so that he's all we can see. I think that's what it feels like to be overshadowed by the power of God. And I thought of, of being in the ocean and being just hit by a giant wave. You're standing there and the waves are coming 
and you feel so vulnerable and you feel so out of control and you realize the force and the power of the waves and that you can hardly even stand and it's just washing over you and you're being overtaken by it and you're in over your head. As long as you're sitting on the beach, you're never going to experience that moment of thrill and vulnerability. But when you're willing to wade into the open waters with the Spirit of God into the deep, you know what begins to take place is his power crashes over you, washes over you. Yes, you feel vulnerable. Yes, you feel out of control. But guess what? You feel alive. And that's Mary. How can this happen? I'm a virgin and all of a sudden it's not her anymore. It's the spirit of God inside of her. It's the power of God overshadowing her, overtaking her, overtaking even her biological reproductive systems. I mean, God's just taken over everything. And that's the, that's the potential of life. That's the meaning of life. That's when life becomes exciting and adventurous and the possibilities become as deep and endless as the ocean floor. When you're willing to walk out of your comfort zone and say, God, all right, interrupt me, inconvenience me, give me something impossible to do, so that when it happens, all glory goes to you. Something that I can't take the credit for, something that's too difficult for me to do on my own without you, take the limits off. I don't know what that is for you. Start a ministry, write that book. Come on, you've been waiting long enough. I'm telling myself that one right now. Go back to school. Well, how could that be, Brad? I'm too old. Start that new program. Apply for the promotion. Why not? Because here's what God says, and I want you to see that. And I think this verse right here, this is the reason I came here from Philly for some of you. And this is the reason you're here today at church. For nothing will be impossible with God. Come on, I think that's a good verse to memorize. You want to memorize a Bible verse today? Say it with me out loud. One, two, three. For nothing will be impossible with God. Let's say it again. For nothing will be impossible with God. Close your eyes and say it. For nothing will be impossible with God. Let's say it one more time. For nothing will be impossible with God. What am I saying today? For so many of you, something is being conceived inside of you. It's big. It's scary. It's beyond you. It's an interruption of your plans. It feels inconvenient. It feels like it could not happen. And God is speaking faith over you today to say, you can't do it, but I can do it. You can't do it, but he can do it. His power knows no boundaries. His love is bigger than your deepest mistakes and sins and failures. Take the limits off. Take the limits off. And I love Mary's response. So beautiful, so humble, so childlike. And Mary said, behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. I see her in my mind kneeling. Let it be to me according to your word. You know what moment this is? This is the moment where we let the thought take hold. You know, God puts a thought in your heart. Go to the hospital, visit your friend, pray for them. Maybe I could heal them and raise them up off the hospital bed. Now, that's the moment for a lot of us where we start arguing with the thought. Uh, it doesn't really happen anymore, and... Some people that happens, but they're like super Christians and I don't have enough faith for that. And we start thinking like adults. But when you simply do like Mary and say, God, let it be to me according to your word. What if? What if it happened? 
The moment you are willing to walk into that, to inconvenience yourself, cancel the appointment, walk into the hospital room, pray the prayer, that's the moment that thought takes root by faith and God brings something beautiful into the world through your faith, through your obedience, through your life. Take the limits off. City Life Lansing, take the limits off. Take the limits off. One more verse and we'll close. Joel 2.28 says this. I will pour out my spirit on all people. This is God's promise. I want you to see the age range here. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. I tell you what, this is so meaningful to me because I turned 40 this year. And at our church Memorial Day picnic, the softball game is the old people versus the young people, and the old people is everybody 40 and up. I was like, we're changing the age range this year, 41 and up, and we're just going to push it one year back every year. Well, I'm not that afraid to grow old if it means I can still dream God's dreams. You know what he's saying? When the Spirit of God comes on you, he's so creative. There's no age distinctions anymore. And what if the older you get, the more convinced you become that God can do it all? For some of you, he's reversing the age process today. And God, I pray that you would let it go so deep and real into our hearts that we would never be the same because of it. I just believe in this room right now, you're planting dreams and visions. And I just pray, God, that we would take the limits off. Jerome, come on out here a minute. A minute. I want to pray in just a moment for some people in the room that I feel like God put on my heart this week, but I want to just speak to you for a second. You are one of the most unique young men and leaders that I've ever been around because what you have is an innocence about you that you shouldn't have based on what you've been through in your life. It should be long gone. Satan has tried to beat it out of you so many times. But by the grace of God, you are still like a little kid. And you lead through that energy. You lead through that vulnerability. And because of that, there's an innocence to City Life Lansing that as an overseer, as a pastor, I pray, you never lose. And what I want you to know is that through your visionary leadership, and this is why it's so important that you stay like a child, that you keep dreaming those big dreams, is because one part of it is that through the vision and the dream, something is gonna be born into the world that's gonna change Lansing and change the world forever. It's what actually is produced by the result. But the other part of it is what is produced in the hearts of the people just through the process of dreaming the dream. So there's something beautiful on the back end when it happens and it's actually born into the world. But there's something even more precious, honestly, that's happening in the process of dreaming the dream as the age process is being reversed yeah. 
in people's lives. And I love the generational diversity in this church. A lot of people would say, with the culture and the setup and the leadership, it's just gonna be a young church, but that's not the case. And that's because God is, I believe, through you and the childlike leadership, reversing that age process for so many. And what I felt like God put on my heart this morning is that for every dream that you dream, five more are gonna be birthed in the hearts of those who are with you. And so those are businesses that are gonna be started. Those are churches that are gonna be planted. Those are marriages that are gonna be restored. Those are gonna be things happening that shouldn't in a realistic world be happening. And so what I wanna just remind you of is this, take time to dream and to vision. And let me just say this to the church. I'm gonna share a little bit more about this at the team night tonight, so you should come to that at four. But as the church grows, it's harder for the leader to do that because there are so many other things to give attention to. And that's why it's so important for you to get on the dream team, to become a team lead, to walk that process so that you can create the margin for the, lead, the visionary leader to dream the dream because it's not only the dreams for city life, but in the atmosphere where the dreaming is taking place, the dreams are gonna be conceived in you. And then I just wanna say, I, I felt like there are some in the room that you have become cynical. That you've become cynical of big picture idealism. You've become cynical of vision. You've become cynical of dreams that when somebody begins to paint a hopeful picture of the future, you just automatically in your mind go, ah, oh, it's never gonna happen, heard that before. And you have, you have come to a place in your life of cynicism and pessimism. And today, God literally wants to turn back the clock of your aging process and take you back to a younger day where you are more hopeful and more optimistic than you are today. And so every dream, this is another sermon for another day, but every dream goes through five Stages The conception, like is happening in Mary, the birth of that dream. So Jesus came into the world, grew up, lived 30 years, dominated for three and a half years in his ministry, preached the good news of the kingdom, healed the sick, cast out demons, went to the cross. That's the development of the dream, the building of the dream. That's happening right now in City Life Lansing. The fourth stage, which is the brutal stage, is the death of the dream, where Mary has to actually watch Jesus die. And some of you, that's where you got stuck because of a termination or a divorce or a, a, a diagnosis. There was something that you had a dream and it died. And because of that death and that loss that you've never properly grieved, you've become cynical and pessimistic. And what I'm here to remind you of today is that there is a fifth stage if you lean into it and believe God, and that is the resurrection of the dream. And sometimes it's the same dream God brings back to life again. Other times it's a totally brand new dream that you, that you never even, that had never even been conceived before. But either way, it's beautiful and hopeful. And so I just want to ask you, close your eyes for a moment. If that's you and you'd say, Brad, I've experienced the death of a dream, but I just want to believe today for new life. Would you just lift up your hand? So I could just pray over you today. I believe God is doing that. God, I just pray right now for hope, for new life, for resurrection of dreams.
and not only for resurrection of dreams, but for resurrection of dreamers. That you would raise in people hope and optimism and idealism again and a willingness to look into the future and say, maybe God can do the impossible. Maybe there aren't as many limitations and obstacles as I see. That you would truly raise up a people who would take the limits off, set, set your people free to run like kids again. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus is so good. Yeah. Just keep hearing, I believe in you, right? That's what we're going to sing. That's what I keep hearing. It's obviously in the background. But there's something happening in me, and I'm praying it's happening in each one of us. Like, it's getting louder, you know? Like... It's just getting louder because I needed to stay really loud. Like, uh, the, the death is not where we're going to, we're not going to get stuck there. No, we're going to resurrect in all things because nothing is impossible with God, you know? And even if that's challenging to think about, like I think for someone it's so hard to think about, it's probably a good reality that you should sing this louder then. <laughs> Well, I want to have another Bible study. Sing it louder. I want to have, we can go there. We can do all that. But something just happens when you're just like, I believe in you, God. I believe in you. I don't have it all figured out, but I believe in you. And he shows up. Can we stand? Can we sing that? There's a peace.